The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Here's Premier Kenny at the legislature. Good afternoon and thank you for joining us today. First, I want to express condolences to the family of the Edmontonian who succumbed to COVID-19 this week. Dr. Hinshaw will provide the latest update on infections, but the numbers in Alberta, like across Canada, the United States and Europe, continue to rise. And that is why we've implemented increasingly aggressive social distancing measures to help uh, prevent the spread uh, of the COVID-19 virus. And it's also why we've tested over 17,000 Albertans to date. Let me pause to uh, thank and commend uh, Alberta Health Services officials for their remarkable work on testing where we are helping to lead the world. Alberta is testing uh, over 2,000 COVID cases per day, over 2,000 individuals to identify whether uh, they have the infection, uh, which is the by far the highest per capita rate in North America, and I understand uh, the third highest rate in the world, and that's thanks to brilliant innovation on the part of people at AHS. I want to take a moment to compliment and thank Albertans for their calm and resilient approach to managing the challenges and disruptions that are affecting everyone. And in particular, let me give a shout out to a lot of folks that we don't give enough thought to or credit to uh, who make things run in our society and whose roles are so important uh, as we face this crisis together. To the truckers who continue to bring food and critical supplies to our stores and our homes. To uh, the grocery store staff who stock the shelves uh, and uh, make sure that uh, we continue to have the supplies that we need. To janitorial uh, staff who uh, are busier than ever uh, helping to uh, maintain high levels of sanitation uh, from workplaces uh, all across the province. To all of them and so many others, uh, to hundreds of thousands of unsung heroes, thank you for what you're doing to help keep us safe, to help keep uh, Alberta functioning during challenging times. I have a few announcements related to new actions by the government of Alberta to limit the spread of this disease, including among the most vulnerable groups in our society. And I'll also provide an update on further actions we're taking to deal with the extraordinary economic impact of the outbreak and the simultaneous oil price crash, including actions to protect jobs in the economy and specific new measures to protect our critical energy sector. And in these announcements, I'm pleased to be joined uh, by Minister for Children's Services, Rebecca Schultz, Minister for Community and Social Services, Rajan Sani, and Minister of Energy, Sonia Savage. First, I'm very pleased to announce that starting next week, the Ministry of Children's Services will begin reopening selected licensed childcare centers in order to provide care for core service providers, starting with healthcare workers. Centers will be chosen based on proximity to healthcare facilities and will be reopened in a phased approach. Centers chosen for reopening will be limited to 30 people, including staff, and will have to adhere to strict health guidelines. Children's services will start uh, contacting those centers for reopening today. Right now, core service providers, including healthcare and uh, municipal critical infrastructure workers, uh, will uh, be at the top of that list, and we will then begin to add other essential services, such as police officers, firefighters, correctional service workers, and uh, other impacted sectors. 
Parents will be notified through their employer if they qualify to send their kids to newly reopened centres. All other licensed childcare centres are to remain closed for the time being. Uh, licensed day, day homes may remain open but are limited to six children each, not including the operator's own children. I would also ask that if you're a parent who is afforded a childcare space, that uh, you only use it if you have no other way to ensure that you can get to your critical job. We, we only have a certain number of spaces that are being open to ensure the functioning of essential services. We all need to operate within our, this new normal, which means using only the resources that we absolutely need. Uh, next, uh, I'd like to make a, an important announcement about additional support and protection for the homeless, some of the most vulnerable in our society. Uh, this morning, the Emergency Management Committee of Cabinet uh, decided to uh, support the, an expansion of the network of homeless shelters across Alberta to help them cope safely with the threat of the COVID virus. Uh, implementation of shelter pandemic plans is underway across the province. In Edmonton, Hope Mission and Mustard Seed have identified community spaces to allow extra space between individuals required for social distancing and surge capacity. The Expo Centre will be activated as a location for people with illness. Measures will also be put in place to allow for a separate area of surge capacity for those who are not showing signs or symptoms of COVID-19. Staffing will be coordinated by Homeward Trust and with health services provided by Alberta Health Services. In Calgary, the Mustard Seed and Calgary Drop-In Centre have identified uh, additional sites uh, to meet the shortfall due to social distancing. The City of Calgary and the Drop-In Centre are working with Community and Social Services of Alberta to block uh, book hotels for additional surge capacity space. In Red Deer, uh, the Mustard Seed will continue to operate their shelter in their existing location Safe Harbour will relocate to a larger consolidated centre effective immediately, which can accommodate social distancing and surge capacity. In Lethbridge, the shelter is repurposing space in the current location to allow uh, for the uh, new additional requirements, and the City of Lethbridge has identified other space for surge capacity. In Grand Prairie, the shelter is currently seeking alternate locations. Uh, and all of these expanded uh, homeless shelters will be supported by the additional $30 million of support that our government announced earlier this week, part of our $60 million uh, COVID Civil Society Fund. I want to thank uh, the mayors of uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer, Lethbridge and other communities for working so closely with us and Minister uh, Sani for um, acting so quickly to ensure that we do everything possible for the safety of uh, Albertans who do not have a home. Let me now turn to the latest actions that the Alberta government is taking to protect and sustain our economy through this crisis. First of all, by saying that uh, the War, price war instigated by OPEC and Russia in the midst of this global pandemic highlights the need for Canada, the United States and other democratic nations to treat energy resources as key strategic assets that are essential to, the, to our national economic security. 
The actions I am announcing today and in the coming days are designed to ensure that our domestic energy industry gets through the price collapse and will assure Canada's security of supply in the long term. First, the government of Alberta is waiving the industry levy for the Alberta Energy Regulator for six months. This action will provide industry relief totaling $113 million. Second, we are extending the term of mineral agreements expiring in 2020 by one year. This will bolster certainty in the industry by providing time to raise capital and develop future plans. These actions are in addition to others that we've recently undertaken to protect jobs and incomes in the energy sector, including the recently announced $100 million loan to the Orphan Well Association that will create up to 500 jobs in uh, remediating and completing wells while reducing environmental liabilities and many other actions we've taken, including the, um, uh, the deferral on corporate income taxes and more measures uh, will follow shortly. Finally, I'd like to announce uh, the formation of the uh, Economic Recovery Council to be chaired by Dr. Jack Mintz. Its task is uh, to think about and provide a really practical advice to the Alberta government on the path through this uh, economic crisis and uh, to think about the mid and long term strategy for recovery and diversification. To be honest, to be blunt, uh, ministers in our government and senior officials are focused on hour-by-hour hour and day-by-day day crisis management. Uh, and that is why we are calling on some of our most uh, respected uh, leaders in business and civil society uh, to help point the way forward uh, for uh, the emergence of Alberta's economy in the long term. I want to thank uh, Professor Jack Mintz for chairing. He is... Um, an Edmonton born and raised uh, academic of the highest caliber, the former president of the C.D. Howe Institute, founding president of the University of Calgary School in Public Policy, and one of our country's most highly regarded uh, economists. Uh, he is joined by Clive Beto, the uh, former chair, uh, president and CEO, the founder of WestJet Airlines, uh, and who has a particular insight into the tourism and transportation sectors. As well, Robert Blakely, the uh, former CEO of the uh, Canada's Building Trades Unions, who uh, understands the challenges faced by working women and men in this economic crisis. Brent Belsberg, born and raised in Calgary, founder and senior managing a partner of Torquest Partners, one of the leading um, financial experts on Bay Street, who has huge international connections in capital markets. Chris Fowler, the president and chief executive officer of Edmonton's Canadian Western Bank, who uh, can bring the perspective of financial institutions uh, and markets. Uh, the Right Honourable Stephen Harper, former Prime Minister of Canada, who led Canada strongly through the global financial crisis in 2008 and 9, with one of the strongest economic records at that time in the developed world. Pete Kiss, owner and president of Morgan Construction, uh, who, uh, whose company has helped to build many uh, oil sands projects, major construction projects, and is really on the front lines of our economy. Zainul Mauji, the president of TELUS Home Solutions, uh, again, an Alberta uh, born and raised business leader whose family, uh, who grew up in, a ho in the hotel business, her family owns and operates uh, hotels and restaurants, so she understands uh, the hospitality sector. Uh, 
food services and the huge challenges they're going through now, but is also an expert on information technology uh, and uh, telecommunications. Nancy Southern, uh, one of the most highly decorated and respected Canadian business leaders, uh, the chair and CEO of Atco Limited. Kevin Ubeline, the Chief Executive Officer of AIMCO, uh, who oversees the, the management of some $140 billion of assets on behalf of the Government of Alberta, the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, and pension holders. Bob Dillon, the Founder, and President, and Chief Executive Officer of Main Street Equity Corporation, uh, the second largest uh, uh, owner of rental properties in Canada, who is uh, um, also one of the, I think, the, the top performing company on the Toronto Stock Exchange. I want to thank all of these outstanding people for stepping up during this time of great adversity to help guide our province through it and onwards to recover. And I'll just close by saying this. These are extraordinarily busy people, and they are giving uh, of their time freely, with no, expect, with no compensation or expectation of it. And this is an example of uh, what I hope we will see coming through this time of adversity. More and more Albertans stepping up to the plate to help their neighbours. And that spirit can be expressed by just going next door to an isolated senior and seeing if they need groceries or pharmaceuticals. By being kind to people in the grocery store. Uh, by uh, looking out for your neighbours and of course by following uh, the advice of Dr. Hinshaw in terms of uh, our public health protocols. Happy to take your questions. Can I ask you two follow-up questions on the municipal funding announcements today? Uh, I know the finance minister talking to municipal officials about further help. Uh, do you have a timeline on when that might be available and will you consider backstopping them if they decide to, to freeze property taxes? Well, those are a lot of questions, Dean. Let me start by saying that um, I was on a conference call with, I think, over 200 mayors and other municipal officials uh, this afternoon, chaired by uh, Minister Casey Madu. And uh, we had an opportunity to hear from officials on a range, uh, municipal officials on a range of issues. We've been, I've been in hour-by-hour hour contact with some of uh, the mayors of our larger cities. Um, we are considering some form of a possible deferral on non-residential property tax. We're trying to design that with municipalities so it does not negatively affect their own cash flow situation. Uh, and we will take seriously any requests that they make. Uh, Dean, let me just say um, that uh, we, we, well, as we roll out response to help uh, with the cash crunch that households, businesses, and municipal governments are facing, uh, we have to be mindful of the cumulative cost of all of that together. It, it's no secret that our, our revenues are frankly falling through the floor with the oil price crash and the global recession. And um, so we, we need to keep an eye on, on how much money is on our bank account. Uh, we cannot overcommit, but we'll do everything that we can according to the fiscal capacity of the government of Alberta. And, and to that point, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, renter you know, legislation to stop evictions, that's a, a broad brush approach may not work, but would it work to say let's do it for one month? And then reassess, or is that not uh, is that not feasible? So we're looking at, with respect to renters, we're looking at options to ensure that uh, people uh, are able to keep uh, 
the, have the security uh, of their rental property, even if they are uh, financially distressed. It's one of the reasons we are rolling out the uh, emergency self-isolation payments starting next week of uh, over $1,100 for a two-week period until people can access a similar a federal payment that was that will be available in the month of April. So that emergency cash uh, should help folks who've had to take time off work to stay at home for health reasons, um, and as will the expanded federal EI payments. Uh, let me say that uh, I believe any good landlord is going to show flexibility to their tenants now if if uh, it make, would make absolutely no sense for a landlord to threaten to evict somebody um, who has no money to pay rent uh, in, the, in the weeks to come, because who's going to take that space? So uh, we've already seen many major landlords step forward with more flexible terms, um, and that's, I think, the preferred path. That's the smart path for landlords. Um, we, so we are in conversations with other provinces to see what they are doing. But, uh, you know, if we were to, um, you know, absolutely block any future evictions, that, that means that even small, look, there's a lot of small mom and pop landlords out there who are going to be stressed paying their own mortgages. And if they don't have any revenue, then then their financial situation falls into jeopardy. And there's also, as you know, there's, always, there's sometimes the problem of bad tenants who might be involved in illegal activity or vandalism and things like that. Uh, and, and the landlords must be able to, to deal with, with, with truly problematic tenants. So this is a complex issue. We, we, we don't want to make the situation even worse unintentionally. Bottom line is we're giving people that cash infusion, and, and I think most landlords are, are stepping forward with relief. Julia? Um, question about the daycares that will be reopening. How many are you looking to reopen, and what's this timeline for the phased approach? Uh, Minister Schultz? That's a great question. So right now, uh, we based our projections on what other provinces have done and what we've seen happen in other provinces. We are working to open up to 15,000 spaces. Uh, again, we're prioritizing those in areas around the province like Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Red Deer, Lethbridge, Fort McMurray, Grand Prairie, areas where our healthcare workers are already uh, working at higher demand. Uh, we are going to have a number of those spaces open, uh, hopefully around 6,000 as soon as Monday, Tuesday, and then continue to open open uh, as the spaces are needed. Um, as the Premier said, uh, parents who need those spaces will hear about um, which centres will be open uh, through their employers so we can make sure that those spaces are in fact targeted to essential core workers like our healthcare workers or um, those workers who are working to support uh, municipal critical infrastructure uh, like utilities, fire, police officers and those types of uh, working parents. And just a quick follow-up, is there going to be a maximum number of children allowed in each? Absolutely. And so my department has been working very closely over the last number of days with uh, Dr. Hinshaw's office and there is not only very specific protocols in place that will be communicated to these centres in terms of uh, temperature checks at drop-offs, for example, uh, a maximum of 30 people in a child care centre at any time, limits of uh, adults and uh, outside people coming into those centres, uh, as well as I believe a limit on how many people can be in a classroom at any time and protocols for sanitation. Okay, we'll go here in front. Uh, I have yeah, two uh, quick questions for Mr. Kenny in French. Um, do, do you want to take the French at the end? Just for yeah, the we won't forget. <laughs> okay. I won't forget. Go ahead. Um, has there been any uh, conversations around the Alberta Works program, and if that's another option for people? 
Well, you're talking about welfare or income assistance. So, look, we fully expect there will be a significant increase in applications uh, and demand for uh, Alberta Works for income support. Uh, and I know that Minister Sani's department, uh, she and her department are preparing for that. Uh, we are looking at the eligibility criteria. Um, we'll perhaps be making an announcement in, in the, in the, uh, in the future. Uh, I've said that I, you know, the, the requirement that people actively search for work is probably un really irrelevant in the, in the next couple of months because of what's obviously happening in the economy. So we are considering some short-term relaxation of eligibility criteria um, because for the folks who maybe already were on EI and they're, they'll, they'll soon, there, there might be some people whose uh, uh, eligibility period is about to end on EI, um, the economy is contracting massively. There, for a lot of those folks, there just are no jobs out there. So, uh, Minister Sani, would you like to add to that in any respect? Yes, thank you, Premier, and and that's absolutely true. We are looking at relaxation of some of the eligibility requirements, but I also do want to emphasize that it is a legislated benefit, and if Albertans are eligible for this program, they will definitely receive those emergency benefits and those income support benefits. Follow-up? We'll go to the phones. Operator, can you put through the first caller, please? I was wondering why you ladies are so spaced out when I realized uh, it's, it's social, social distancing, yes. I mean spaced out in a literals and not a metaphorical <laughs> sense, to be clear. <laughs> Go ahead, operator, with the first caller, please. Our first question comes from Chris Barco of the Calgary Herald. Your line is open. Hi, Premier. I have two questions. Uh, the first one is, I ask you, what is the uh, job of the new economic recovery panel in terms of what role do you see it playing? Will it be looking at a long-term restructuring of the Alberta economy? And yeah. do you, what role do you see former Prime Minister Harper playing? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, really, this is a group of super smart people with collectively uh, decades of leadership experience in the Canadian economy who uh, I want to think about the long term. As I said, uh, my preoccupation and that of uh, the ministers and senior public servants in our government is really day-to-day -day and hour-to-hour -hour crisis management, and that will probably continue uh, for some time to come. And yet we know, look, I I've said this before, we're facing a triple whammy, uh, a massive global economic uh, recession. Um, JP Morgan has projected a 14% contraction in the U.S. economy in the second quarter of this year and a 30% contraction in Europe. Layer on top of that, uh, the total collapse in energy prices. I see uh, uh, a few minutes ago, Western Canadian Select Oil was trading at $5.60. Um, Citibank is projecting that Brent oil could be trading on average as low as $5 in the second quarter of this year, which, which would probably mean that we would be paying people to take uh, Alberta oil off our hands. So I, I don't like, look, I'm not saying these things to cause people to have a sense of despair, but I think it's important for Albertans to be psychologically and financially prepared for what is coming at us. This will be, I believe, the most challenging time in our economy uh, for uh, several decades. So given the depth of those challenges, it is essential that we 
begin developing strategies for a long-term recovery. And uh, that, of course, uh, uh, well, the focus of that will be to continue accelerating the diversification of Alberta's economy, but also finding a way forward for our energy industry. And uh, I've told this uh, panel, I met with them by phone for the first time a couple of nights ago, I told the panel I really want them to, uh, to, to have absolutely a no holds, holds barred approach to this, to, to think uh, boldly, uh, not to feel constrained by conventional political limitations, to really uh, reimagine what we need to do in the future coming out of this uh, time of, of, of serious adversity. And I think Stephen Harper's presence on there is, um, is tr just, just tremendous because he's dealt with the only economic crisis of a similar scale in recent decades, and that was the 2008 global financial crisis. So I, I really appreciate his, his presence. Do you have a follow-up, Chris? Yeah, I do. You talked a little bit about the economy, and I guess what information have you seen or what projections are you seeing from the government in terms of the scale and scope of the economic contraction that could or will occur and its impact upon employment and jobs in the province? So far, all we have, Chris, is uh, anecdotal. Uh, but let me say... Uh, that I am fully expecting that the March labor force survey that we'll see in a, in a couple of weeks will be one of the worst uh, records for uh, joblessness in Alberta history. I think we saw the number of unemployment claims uh, nationally go up by uh, hundred. By, I think I think they had over 240,000 claims just reported and I think that's just the beginning of this. Obviously we are seeing massive layoffs as a result directly of the uh, public health response to the virus in areas like the tourism sector, hospitality um, and aviation. At the same time we're seeing very significant layoffs in the oil and gas sector uh, even though those companies all had already compressed costs because of this in price environment, they're further slashing their capital plans for the year. Um, so, Chris, I, I cannot understate, excuse me, I should be restate, rephrase that, I cannot overstate uh, how challenging this time is going to be. Uh, I think we are uh, like, now, here's the, here's the, some good news is that we, I think we all expect that after the, um, height of the pandemic, there will be a significant global recovery. Uh, J.P. Morgan that projects a 14% decline in the U.S. economy in the second quarter projects a 12% increase in demand in the third quarter, and they, they sort of see that happening globally. But to be honest, Chris, I don't foresee that happening in Alberta because when we get out of the, the, the COVID shutdown, we'll be experiencing the effects of um, the price collapse on energy. So I, that is why uh, we'll be doing everything within our power. We're working with the federal government uh, to protect people's financial security, uh, their jobs, and our broader economy. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Our next question comes from David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. Your line is open. Premier, I have a question about strategy. So we've taken many steps to um, shut down society and stop the spread of the virus. Is the purpose of shutting down to give us breathing space so the healthcare system can limit death and prepare for the enormity of the outbreak? Or is this more of a kind of a permanent new normal with an idea to suppress the outbreak in this way for many, many, many months? Well, the, the truth is we don't know. 
but by taking stringent measures now, we hope to, first of all, be, ensure that our healthcare system can cope with the peak of infections, and secondly, that this does not have to be the new normal. There is some hopeful data out of China that, that this week they've had, uh, well, at least a couple of days ago, they had no new cases reported. And we've seen in jurisdictions like Hong Kong, Taiwan, uh, Singapore, and South Korea, that very aggressive public health measures uh, ultimately have stopped the growth in the pandemic and in some of those jurisdictions they've had very low incidence of infection. So we certainly hope uh, to follow the, the, the example of those jurisdictions rather than places like Italy uh, which and, and perhaps some of the U.S. states that allowed it to run out of control before taking rigorous measures. As you know, uh, David, the uh, basic public health strategy here is through aggressive measures to uh, prevent the uh, the growth of infections so that the peak is below the maximum capacity of the healthcare system to cope. The projections that I've been given by the modelers at Alberta Health Services uh, indicate that we will be below, that we will achieve that goal, that uh, the peak of infections and hospitalizations, particularly in intensive care and those who require ventilator support, will be uh, below the maximum capacity of our healthcare system. That's partly because of prudent planning on the part of AHS, uh, where they have stockpiled uh, enormous uh, inventories of equipment. They ordered 50 additional ventilators when they saw the first outbreak of coronavirus in China. Uh, and this is also why we invoked a public health emergency so that we can better manage human resources in the system for the peak. Um, but that's basically the, the, the that's the battle plan, which is to, to constrain the spread so that we're below the maximum capacity of the health system. We believe we are on track for that. Now, our officials believe that peak will be four to five weeks from now, and then we would probably see a, a several weeks of continued rigorous social uh, distancing measures. Uh, and then hopefully, hopefully, uh, by end of May, beginning of June, we can see some relaxation of those measures, measures. But all of that ultimately will be based on the advice of Dr. Hinshaw. Do you have a follow-up, David? Are you? Yes. Are you confident that, um, that we're building up right now, kind of, not that we're having breathing space right now, but um, by these kind of stringent measures, we're, we're now taking advantage of that and kind of building up our maximum capacity of our healthcare system, yeah. doing enough so that we can take on a lot more. That's exactly uh, it. What do you see that gives you confidence? The strategy is two things. Uh, tr try to limit the peak of infections as much as possible and maximize the capacity of the healthcare system as much as possible. And we are doing both of those things. Um, the uh, uh, reason for the declaration of a public health emergency was so we could begin planning now to ensure uh, the personnel are in place, adequately trained personnel, to operate uh, those ventilators in those intensive care units. Uh, and um, so... Uh, and that is also why our government surged a half billion dollars into uh, the health budget this week on an extraordinary basis. And I'll repeat what I've said before. We will spare no expense to combat the pandemic. We will undoubtedly be providing additional funds to AHS. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Our next question comes from James Keller of the Globe and Mail. Your line is open. Uh, you're expecting to make more announcements on the economic front in the coming days. Uh, if you can't give us details, can you talk about the scope of what's needed for the province and its energy sector, particularly when you're you know, comparing this to uh, the Great Depression and that level of crisis? What, what is the scope of what we'll need? Well, it's funny. I um, was in Deputy Prime Minister Freeland's office in Ottawa 
eight days ago, and she and I talked about one to two percent of GDP as a benchmark for stimulus, countercyclical stimulus in a context like this. And then uh, she and I were speaking a couple of days ago, and we had seen uh, the French government introduce 300 million euros in a recovery package, the British government, 330 pounds sterling, which would be like 500 million Canadian dollars in a recovery package. And, and, and we also saw the, the, the everything else that's happening here. Uh, so I don't, I don't think we've seen something like this again for, for at least 70 years in terms of the, what will be required in, 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 in action. Now, what's further complicated is this is not a, not a normal situation where policymakers can just uh, put the pe pedal to the metal on fiscal policy because where would we surge that money into? How do you create demand in an economy that it much many elements of which are shutting down right now? So our focus right now will be on the liquidity crisis. That's first of all cash in the hands of families, um, but also in Alberta here uniquely a liquidity crisis in our largest industry. So we are working with the federal government uh, in that respect, and uh, and then we uh, simultaneously we're developing a stimulus strategy. But I think uh, we let, we're going to try to keep powder dry uh, until post-pandemic so we can surge that extra demand into the economy, uh, hopefully in the summer, where it actually will have a meaningful effect when businesses are reopening and people are getting back to work and buying things again. Um, so that's that's the, the then the, 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 in the longer term, it's about a longer term recovery and that's why we've appointed this, appointed this panel. Do you have a follow-up, James? And Definitely. And uh, and what specifically, I mean, you sort of alluded to some of it, but what specifically do you want to see from the federal government? Uh, we expect some sort of announcement from Ottawa next week. There's been some talk about orphan wells and fiscal stabilization, but those are not yeah. new ideas. So what more do we need from that? Well, uh, we appreciate the... $11 billion of additional credit backstop uh, provided to the Business Development and Export Development Banks of Canada. Uh, we are working very closely uh, with the, uh, Minister Morneau, with those banks, uh, with the Canadian Chartered Banks uh, and uh, the oil and gas industry in Alberta to maximize access to that credit backstop for our producers. And um, we are in constant discussions with Ottawa on that point. I think the government of Canada understands that we cannot afford to lose the single largest subsector of the Canadian economy, the largest export industry that is responsible for about 20% of the revenues that the government of Canada collects, that is responsible for the direct employment of over a quarter of a million Canadians and the indirect employment of hundreds of thousands of, uh, of others. Last week, I took to Ottawa the following message, that Ottawa was prepared to save the auto industry and, and with it much of the industrial heartland of central Canada into 2008, during the global financial crisis, we need uh, support of that scale and ambition now, and I, I believe that message is being heard. Let me tell you, yesterday I um, was on a call with the Council of the Federation, and I was frankly emotionally deeply moved to hear remarkable expressions of solidarity from premiers across the country, including from Atlantic Canadian premiers who are facing enormous economic challenges, who said Alberta has always been good to us. It's time for the rest of Canada to be good to Alberta. So I really feel uh, that we, uh, we have a sense of solidarity across the Federation for the unique challenges we're facing.